Happy Palm Sunday, everybody. Come on, church. Let's welcome Randy Ruiz as he brings the word. Well, good morning. You know I'm going to ask you to do it. Turn to the person next to you. Just smile and say, you are the best looking thing I've seen all day. Just tell them you are hot. You are hot. You're hot. Yeah, and now the reason I do that, if you're in-house, hopefully you're sitting next to your wife or your husband. If you're not, hopefully you're sitting next to someone you wish was your wife or your husband. And if you're not, I'm going to ask Pastor Randy to do the same thing next week. So if you're single, come early, get a good seat and scope it out. (laughs) Sit in a good spot. Thank you for coming to church and making God a priority in your life. I believe because you have honored God and honored his name and honored his house that he will pour out his favor onto you and your work week could be so much better because you have honored God. If you believe that, can you just clap your hands and thank the Lord that his favor is real? Yes. Well, get your Bible out and turn it on and we've already quoted Matthew chapter 21, or Luke, Luke, the story of Luke, but Matthew 21, 1 through 11. I want to speak to you this Palm Sunday on how the power of worship ushers in the presence of God. The power of worship will usher in the presence of God. And Matthew 21, 1, 11 tells us, The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Let me tag that by Psalms 34 and 1. David writes, I will bless the Lord at all times. Someone shout all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. Friends, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, his appearance was preceded by a massive crowd that was shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And and we all read and we know the story that they were waving palm branches and they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. If you were here in the beginning of the service, you heard them say the word Hosanna simply means save us, save us. And of course, they were looking for a political messiah. But God had something completely different planned. Friends, the power of worship ushers in the presence of God. I want you to say to yourself very quietly, the power of worship ushers in the presence of God. This dynamic truth was on full display this very first Palm Sunday. And as you read through the scripture, you see the principle applied from the Genesis all the way through the Revelation, but especially in the life of David. The Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. But let me show you how important that statement really is. Did you know that there are 10 chapters in the Bible that relate to the life of Abraham? There are 11 chapters in the Bible that relate to the life of Jacob. And Jacob's name was changed by God to Israel, and his grandchildren became the nation of Israel from their father Isaac. And we all know how important that is, and yet there are only 11 chapters in the Bible dedicated to them. There are 10 chapters in the Bible devoted to Elijah and Elisha, the two major miracle-working ministries of the Old Testament. But there are 66 chapters in the Bible that relate to the life of David. And over 1,200 references to his name are found in Scripture. In addition, 59 times David is mentioned in the New Testament. When you think of faith, you think of Abraham. When you think of patience, you think of Job. And when you think of the law, you think of Moses. When you think of miracles, you think of Elijah and Elisha. But when you think of the power of praise, when you think of the power of the presence of God resting on one of the champions of faith, you think of God's song and dance man, 
David. David. The most prominent Old Testament character mentioned over 1,200 times in the Bible is a man of worship. In my study, I began to say, Lord, there must be a reason. Holy Spirit, there must be a reason why you kept encouraging and referencing and laying it on the writers of Scripture to keep talking about David. I believe it's because he loved the presence of the Lord. He loved being in the presence of God. There are two major events in David's life that stand out to me that show us his love for the presence of God. First, we see at a high point in his life, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, David is cartwheeling and he's dancing before the Ark of the Covenant, and they're bringing it back to Jerusalem. Remember, the Ark was a symbol of God's presence with Israel. In it are three things, Aaron's rod, which represents God's leadership, the Ten Commandments, which represents God's law, and the manna, which represents God's provision. God's law, God's leadership, and God's provision are how in a gold box and it's coming back to the nation of Israel and David is celebrating and he's dancing and he's thanking the Lord and the reason he is is the Ark of the Covenant during the reign of Saul had not held the prominence or the importance it should have had in the nation. In other words, Saul was all about politics and he didn't put an emphasis on the presence and there's a difference. In David's eyes, this was a great grievance to Israel. It was just as bad as the insults of the Philistine giant Goliath. And the Philistines, they thought that they could steal the ark of God. In essence, they thought they could steal the presence of God. Hold on. There's a price to pay to bring God's presence. In your life and in mine, there's a price to pay to bring God's presence. And the Philistines were under the disillusion that if I could get my hands on this symbol of God's presence, then we'll be invincible in war. Now, the Bible says that they stole the Ark of the Covenant, but God's hand was heavy against them. And the Bible says he struck them with emeralds. Well, that's the King James Version. The New Living Trans or the NIV says he struck them with tumors. But the New Living Translation says he struck them with hemorrhoids. Yeah, it says it. Go read it. I, I want you to imagine a whole nation of people that can't sit down. <laughs> and, and God was soon to let them know that God always gets you in the end. Amen? And when the hand of God was heavy against them, they said, get rid of it. And so they sent the Ark of the Covenant back. And that is when David, having humbled the Philistines by killing their giant Goliath, and now the presence of God, their hand heavy against them, he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant back. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 5 that David and all of Israel were celebrating with all their might. And David takes 30,000 of the finest fighting men with him to go and get the presence of the Lord. Here is a pastor. Here is a husband. Here is a father. Here is a king. Here is a politician that realizes there's nothing more important than the presence of Almighty God. And he takes 30,000 fighting men to go and get it. Oh, come on, clap your hands that there's nothing more important than the presence of the Lord. Now, this is a high point in David's life. Then we see him in 1 Samuel 30 on another occasion on the saddest day of his life when the Amalekites had raided the Negev and the Ziklag, David's hometown. And the women and the children were all taken captive. And on this day, David had lost everything that is dear to him. He lost his home. He lost his family. He lost his business all in one day. And 1 Samuel 30 verse 4 says, So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Have you ever had a situation in your life where you're weeping and yet there are no more tears to shed, but you're still in a difficult time? That's called bitterness of soul. Have you ever been in a time where you're cruising along, everything is going well, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a storm hits? 
Well, we all could say yes, because about this time last year in March, America was cruising along, everything was wonderful, and then suddenly this plague came out of the east. And now our lives were turned topsy-turvy. These men were so greatly distressed that they were talking about stoning David. Remember these men, his mighty men, I could preach a whole series of messages on the mighty men of David, the day before are willing to give their life for this man, but now because they're operating in bitterness of soul, each man literally grieving for his family, they're saying, kill David, take him out. Have you ever been in a situation where you cannot weep anymore, but you just... Oh, bitterness of soul. But the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. See, what's amazing to me is that in both occasions, the happiest day of his life and in the saddest day of his life, his first reaction, his basic instinct was exactly the same. He worshiped. He turned both situations into a time of praise and worship. In the highs and in the lows, he said, I've got to get into the presence of the Lord. Friends, all the commentaries I had read and the said the nation of Israel grew and prospered more under King David than any other time in the history of the nation of Israel. And it was because he was a man of worship. His main emphasis in life was to worship and be close to the presence of God. Can you imagine what would happen if our church, this one right here, if the church would take serious David's example and understand that as we worship God in every aspect of our life, in good times and in bad times, in sickness and in health, that the presence of God is able to ride into our lives just like he did on that first Palm Sunday and bring healing and restoration because his presence sets people free. His presence sets people free. The psalmist said, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And God is able to expand and grow your family and our, and our lives greater than anything else you could possibly imagine. Did you hear me, pastor? Did you hear me, sir? Did you hear me, wife? Did you hear me, businessman? You want to prosper? You want God to do great things in your life? Did you hear me, college student? You want to have a great GPA? You want to do great things for God? Then become a person who longs for the presence of the Lord. Evangelism comes out of worship. Here's what many people do not understand. They wonder, why does that church worship the way they worship? You might be watching online and you wonder, why do they sing the way they sing? Why do some lift their hands and why do some cry? Why do some get emotional and dance a little bit? Why do some shout out? Well, the answer is simple. God has set us free. Well, well, you didn't hear me. God has set us free. Hallelujah. And because of that, we have to be a people that are dedicated to worship. God has set us free. It's, it's a pillar of the church. And because of that freedom, we must be a church that is unashamed and uninhibited to give God boisterous, amazing, and sometimes loud, even shouting praise. It is the pillar of the church. Worship brings evangelism. People get saved when the church starts to worship. People are healed in the presence of God. Marriages are restored when God's people lift up their hands and lift up their voice in the presence of God. If you believe that, can someone just shout amen? amen. In John 4, 342, Jesus said, I must go to Samaria. The word must simply means it's a divine appointment. And when he gets there, he sits down by a well and he waits. Oh, I could preach you a whole series of messages on how the Spirit of God is waiting. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for your family. He's waiting on your marriage. He's waiting on your nation. He's waiting on your leaders. The Holy Spirit this morning, he's waiting. He's waiting. 
And as he's waiting, he tells the disciples, you go and get a box lunch and you come back. I've got a divine appointment. And as he's sitting there, a woman of ill repute, a Samaritan woman, comes to draw water from the well. Well, some say that she's a prostitute. We really don't know if she was, but we do know she had five husbands, and the one she is living with now was not her husband. We know this because Jesus asked her, woman, where is your husband? And she honestly says, I don't have one. And he says, yes, I know, and the one you are living with now, he's not your man either. And by this, she knows he's a prophet. They begin to have a very deep conversation, and the power of God begins to move between them. And then suddenly, she asks one of the most important questions or theological questions for first century Samaritans. She looks right at him and asks a deep theological question Where is the proper place of worship? Suddenly, now everything turns on its heels. You see, the Samaritans were descended from the Israelite people who had not been deported when the Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom and imported other people into the region. And they had allowed other kinds of worship and other kinds of religion to water down their relationship with God. And yet there was a segment of the Samaritans that were saying, I want the real thing. If COVID has done anything in America, it has caused the church to say, we want the real thing. How many have come for the real thing? Let me see your hand. Said, I want the real thing. Everything that's happened politically and everything that's happening in our nation, we want the real thing. The Samaritans continue to worship God, but they wanted the real thing. Jesus answers her by saying in John 4, 23, your fathers worshiped on this mountain, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. Hold on now, because this is where it gets prophetic. And if you go too quickly, you'll miss exactly what Jesus told her, that literally this one line turned her world upside down. He said, for the father will seek out those who worship him. See, often we say, I'm seeking God. But when you begin to worship God, the God of heaven, the same God that said, let there be light, and there was light. The same God that told the oceans this far and no further. The same God that rode into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday on the back of a donkey to the cries of worship, to the cries of praise, to the cries of Hosanna. When you begin to worship, that same God says, I will come and seek you out. I will find you no matter where you are. When you worship me, I will come and find you. Even if you are locked in your house because of COVID, if you come and seek me, if you begin to lift your voice, I will find you. Maybe you're locked in a, in a college dorm or you're walking to the hospital and you can't breathe, or you're laying in that hospital bed wondering, do I've got COVID? Do I have cancer? I'm waiting on my MRI. The very moment you lift your voice, the very moment you lift your hands, the very moment you begin to cry out, the God of heaven and earth, the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that's almighty God, all-knowing God, he said, I will come and seek you out. Out. I will find you. Maybe you're a single mother and you're raising your children on your own. The moment you worship him, he seeks you out. Is there anybody here by an upraised hand that'll say, Randy, I want him to seek me out. I want him to come find me. Come on now. Is there anybody here? In an office building, I'll come find you. Listen to this biblical truth. We can seek God's presence by fasting and prayer. However, when you worship God, God says, I will seek you out. My presence finds you. 
There's somebody here that needs to hear me say that a second time. Maybe you're a lonely young lady and you're looking for a husband or just a companion. Don't waste your life by looking for what man wants. You begin to worship him, honey, and the presence of God will come find you. He knows exactly where you are. The Samaritan woman caught on fire when Jesus had the conversation with her about worship. She runs back, and the Bible says she starts telling all the people, come and hear this man. He is, could he be the Messiah? Evangelism explodes. They literally have an all-out revival. The disciples show up with a box lunch, wondering what's going on. And this woman literally becomes the first evangelist, all because of worship. A whole city can be saved when God finds a church that will worship him in everything that they do. You see, Monday through Saturday matters. How you live your life Monday through Saturday matters. Did you know Jesus quotes the Psalms on 11 different occasions? Jesus, the greatest Old Testament scholar of all time, he uses the book of worship as one of his tools in his preaching arsenal to fulfill his missional purpose. Because in his own words, Jesus said, my mission is to seek and seek those that are lost. To save and seek those who are lost. He knew if I can get people to worship, and they live out that worship on a daily basis, worship brings evangelism. People are watching they're seeing how you live your life during the COVID, during the political storms. They're watching. They're watching. In Acts 15, there's a prophecy that I want you to see. Acts 15 and 16 says, After these things I will return, and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen, and I'll rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name. When it says all the Gentiles who are called by my name, this is referencing all the nations of people who don't know God. And the tabernacle of David has to do with the fact that David brought the Ark of the Covenant and he sets it down on a mountain and then on Mount Zion and then he places it under a tent and he rolls up the flaps of the tent because to this point, the people have been banned from being in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. Can you imagine someone trying to ban the church for being in the presence of God? Well, I guess you can the Ark of the Covenant was God's seed on earth. And it's interesting that God wanted a seat on earth. And the seat was called the mercy seat. Psalm 22, 3, God is enthroned or inhabits the praises of his people. God is enthroned or inhabits the praises of his people. I've been told that the ancient Japanese translation of Psalm 22, 3 is whenever, God, whenever people worship, God brings a big chair and sits down in their midst. Isn't that awesome? That whenever God's people worship, he brings a big chair. In other words, God's people begin to worship, he gets pretty comfortable in their presence. And it got me thinking, is there anybody here that wants God to get comfortable in this church? Is there anybody that'll say, Lord, you bring your big lazy boy chair and you set it down right here and you kick up your feet, God. We want you here in our presence. Is there anyone that'll say, Lord, we want you to come because when you're here, there's healing. When you're there, there's deliverance. When you're there, there is peace that passes all understanding. Oh, if you want it, come on, somebody clap your hands for it. Yes, Lord. So Holy Spirit, come and bring your lazy boy chair. And you know what that seat is called? The seat is called the mercy seat. Do you know why you get answers to prayer? It's not simply because you, you fast. It's because of the mercy of God. Do you know why you get healed and get miracles and get blessed? Not because of any works that any one of us should boast. It's the mercy of God. 
And God wants you to know the way you get your big mercy seat in the midst of your blessing and in the midst of your prayers and the midst of your struggle in the midst of your congregation is when you worship me, you create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit feels comfortable and I come and I dwell among my people and I bring with me healing and the presence of God. You create an atmosphere for him. Come on, right now, I want to take a praise break. And I want you to forget the person to the left and the right. And I just want you to lift your hands right now. And I want you to welcome the presence of Almighty God. Come on, somebody, somebody lift your voice. Take a little praise break right now. Lift your voice and welcome the presence of the Lord into this room into your situation. Maybe you're watching me online right now, wherever you are watching me from, from your hotel or from your home. Come on, join us. Word of life, lift up your voice. Somebody begin to praise the name of Jesus. Somebody thank him that he rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. Somebody lift up your voice and thank him that he's kept you through the COVID. Lift him up right now. Give him a comfortable seat in your home. Give him a comfortable seat in your marriage. Oh, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. We praise you, Lord. And the more you praise him right now, the bigger the chair gets. The more you praise him, the bigger the chair gets. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I praise you. Oh, don't stop. We praise you, Lord. David's actions showed that he loved the presence of God. So he rolls up the tent tabernacle again up to that point. The Gentiles were kept out of God's presence. The women were kept in the, in the tabernacle of the women or the, the court of the women. As I look at this great congregation in-house, it's, it's mind-blowing to me to think that the women were not allowed in the presence of God. I can't imagine my beautiful wife of 31 years of marriage and my gorgeous daughter not being allowed in the presence of the Lord. I can't imagine not experiencing God's goodness, God's grace. But David rolled up the sides of the tent of the tabernacle and he said, bring me some musicians. Did you know he had 274 surrounding the Ark of the Covenant musicians in four different ships, 24 hours a day, 360 days a year. You say, well, wait a second, Pastor Randy. Uh, did they take five days off? No, they have an ecclesiastical calendar. We have a lunar calendar. Theirs is based on the ecclesiastical calendar, so 360 days. How long did they do it? Based on Scripture, they worship this way. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 360 days in their year for 33 years. 33 years. They played musical instruments nonstop, entertaining the presence of God on Mount Zion, and the people could come and get in the presence of the Lord. First Chronicles 16 and 37 says, So David left Asaph and his brothers there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister before the Ark regularly or continually or daily. Listen, do you know why we need so much worship and praise? Do you know why we need so much worship and praise continually? It's because Satan's opposition is continual. He never takes a day off. Revelation 12.10 says that Satan accuses us before God day and night. In the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 6 through 7, it says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord says to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answers, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth in it. And I believe he was there in God's throne room to accuse God's church. Don't miss this on this Palm Sunday. 24 hours a day, there's a demonic force somewhere accessing and accusing you before the throne of God. 
And based on the book of Job, we know that the devil knows how to get into God's presence. Oh, don't miss this. If the devil is going to be there accusing, I believe we need to be here praising. Well, you didn't catch it. I said, if the devil and a demonic horde is going to be in the throne room of God accusing, I believe, word of life, we've got to be here praising. And I would hate to think the devil is willing to go through more to get in the presence of God to accuse than we are willing to go through to get in the presence of God to praise. Especially since we already know that everything he's accusing the church of, the blood of Jesus Christ, that Calvary's tree has already covered us. We are already forgiven. We are already accepted. We are already chosen. We are already righteous. We are already sanctified. We are already justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And yet some of us get so caught up that we can allow the smallest of things to keep us from the house of God. It's too hot, it's too cold. They didn't sing my song, they sang my song. I wore my new dress from Walmart, pastor didn't even say hello. They're masking, they're not masking. They're not following this, they're not following that. And you can let everything discourage us from worship. But did you know there was a man who lived in the tombs of the Gadarenes who was filled with 2,000 demons? And Mark 5 tells us when Jesus of Nazareth stepped out of the boat, the long, lean Galilean came walking into the area, and that demon-filled man saw him afar off, and when he saw Jesus, he came running to the master. And he fell at the feet of Jesus, and he begins to worship him. Did you know he was filled with 2,000 demons? And he worshiped him. That tells us that nothing is authorized to stop your worship. Not even 2,000 demons can stop your worship. Nothing can separate you, no trial, no burden, no cancer, no bill, no setback, no politician, no doctor, no lawyer, no COVID. Nothing can stop you from worship if you really want to worship. If you really want to praise the master, all you have to do is lift up your hands and lift up your voice no matter where you are, and he will come find you. Come on, word of life. Somebody clap your hands and praise him. Right now, just praise him. Rejoice, church, because as you rejoice on this Palm Sunday, you are able to usher in a triumphant entry of the presence of God into your life, just like on the first Palm Sunday. In fact, everybody right now, I just want you to lift your hands one more time and just begin to worship him. Just begin to praise him. Somebody glorify the name of Jesus. That's it, praise him. Don't let anything keep you from praising him. Don't let your fear keep you from praising him. Don't let your, that's it, don't, don't let your, oh, come on, somebody praise him. Hear the sounds of revival, that word of life. Hear the sounds of the anointed ones of God. Hear the sounds of the redeemed. Let everything that had breath begin to praise the Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. There's a civilian airport. There's a civilian airport in Columbia, South Carolina. It's the, very, it's the very same airport that houses the Air Force Base there, home of the fighting 20, 20th fighter wing. And they share the runways there with the civilian airport. And there's a big sign uh, that's there on the airport because the people in the area can hear the F-14s, the F-15s. It's very loud. 
and there's a runway there right by the houses where these great planes land. And so the military put up a large billboard and it says this. It says, excuse the noise, it's the sound of freedom. <laughs> excuse the noise, it's the sound of freedom. And I just want to say to those of you that are watching me by line or those that are in-house, if you're wondering why there's a lot of loud people in this place, if you're wondering why we get loud and lift our hands in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the circumstance, excuse the noise. It's the sound of freedom. For he who the Son has set free is free indeed. It's free indeed. Second Chronicles 20, God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I want the musicians to make their way quickly because you need to know, friend, this battle is not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. I don't know what you're going through at home, but I do know if you worship him, he shows up. He shows up. At the height of the COVID, when it hit in March, last March, April, May, and June, our ministry was canceled completely from preaching revival meetings. And I've been watching everything that's been happening politically on the scene. And I said, Lord, have you ever just said, Lord, where are you? Have you ever said, Lord, don't you see what's going on? And one night in prayer, the Holy Spirit whispered. He said, yes, I see him, Mijo. I see him. But the obvious doesn't obligate God. The obvious does not obligate God. I want you to allow that to sink into your heart. Because if we had time, I could show you biblical patterns on how blind Bartimaeus, he cries out to God because Jesus was passing by. The woman with the issue of blood heard that Jesus was passing by, and so she reached out and did something out of the ordinary. Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is passing by, so he does something out of the ordinary. He gets up in a tree. Remember, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, which meant that he was a man that held a very prestigious position. But when you really need to touch the master, when you really need to get a hold of him, when you're in a situation that you need God to do something, you can care less what other people think about you. And so Zacchaeus, he throws aside his pride, he throws aside his ego, and he climbs up into the tree because he realized the answer is not in me, the answer is in the tree. The tree to us represents Calvary. The tree enlarged Zacchaeus. It allowed Zacchaeus to see Jesus, but more importantly, it allowed Jesus to see Zacchaeus. Why do I want you to shout? Why do I want you to praise? Because you set aside your pride, you set aside your ego, and you really don't care what others think because Jesus is passing by. And the Bible says, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was passing by, he cried out, Son of David, have mercy. And they told him, you can't, you can't act like that. you got to have some decorum. And the Bible says, when, he, when they told him to be silent, he cried out even louder. He cried even louder, which means he got a miracle for crying out loud. So don't mock us or don't think we are emotionally trite because we lift our hands and we shout out and we praise him. Don't think that we are emotionally shallow because we worship him that way. Simply because we've been fighting the devil all week long, swimming upstream against a culture that has become so open-minded her brains have fallen out. You'll catch that later. Listen, friend, you might be one miracle away from a shout of a hallelujah. You might be one miracle away from lifting your hands and saying, thank you, Jesus. You might be one miracle away because in all those instances, when they shouted out, Jesus was going one way, he stopped and came another. 
And I'm telling you that this morning, you got the opportunity to stop the Holy Spirit from just passing you by, by you crying out and lifting your voice. And then the Holy Spirit's going to ask you, what do you want? You've got to have enough faith on this Palm Sunday to say, Lord, I want a miracle. Lord, I want a healing. Lord, I want a deliverance. So on this Palm Sunday, I want you to stand and I want you to lift your hands and I want you to worship him out loud and say, Master, while others now are calling, don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. In the name of Jesus, don't pass me by. Lord, we're going to roll up the tent and we're asking the presence of God to begin to move in this place. I'm going to call you to this altar, and when I call you here, I'm going to ask you to bring your mask. If you're online and you want prayer, I'm going to ask you either to request it in the chat or click request in the prayer line. Because the same power of the Holy Spirit that's in this room is flowing into your room right now. Wherever you're watching me, you might be watching in a third world nation. You go ahead and click on that and request prayer. And our pastoral team that's watching that computer filled with the power of God is going to begin to move in your life. But if you want the master, if you want healing, if you don't want him to pass you by, I'm going to ask you right now to lift your voice, and for the next 30 seconds, you just begin to call out the name of Jesus right now. Just call it out. Just call it out. Just call it out. Nothing could stop your worship. Now, now hold on, hold on. If you are in-house and you would like us to pray with you, if you need a miracle, Maybe you're in a storm in life like the disciples were in the boat that day. And until they called out to Jesus on the Sea of Galilee, that's when Jesus got in the boat. If you're ready for God to do a miracle on this Palm Sunday in your life, at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to step out, put on your mask, and come for prayer. If you would like to just spend time in the presence of the Lord, we'll ask you to kneel. If you want us to pray for you, we ask you to come and wear your mask. Holy Spirit, have your way. Heal somebody. Deliver somebody. Set somebody free right now that the presence of God would flow in this place as we worship and as we pray. At the count of three, you come. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Don't let anything keep you from your miracle. One, don't miss them. Two, three, come right now. Just come right now. Where is she? Lead us. Sing it, sing it. Just come right now. That's it, come on. Come on. this whole room an altar area.
And if you need just a miracle healing or whatever you need, I'm just going to ask you to step out. You don't have to come forward. Just step out into the aisle and just lift your hands. There's something about taking that step of faith. We're also going to ask you, though, in the overflow, those that are in the overflow, they told me that this is the largest crowd that they've had since the COVID. And there are people out there in the lobby. And there are people in the overflow area. If you're in the overflow area, you lift your hands the same way. But word of life, you need to praise him right now. You need to lift your voice and praise him right now. Call out the name of your children. Call out the name of your grandchildren. Call out the name that is above every name. Maybe you are, are longing for God to do something in a, in a romantic relationship in your life. Just call out right now. Somebody glorify the name of Jesus. Somebody praise him. There are miracles that are happening all over this room as you praise him. Sing it again. Sing it again. Sing it again. Death could not hold you. The veil torn before you. You silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are high. The praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no presence God father come and bring a comfortable chair and sit it down in our home I want you right now wherever you are watching or wherever you are praising to begin to tell the Holy Spirit you're welcome in my home you're welcome in my business you're welcome in my marriage I'm just asking you Lord to set a comfortable chair down in my life and bring your presence of healing bring your presence Lord in the name of Jesus because, Lord, it's been a tough year. We need the presence of God. We need the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord to bring a peace that passes all understanding. The presence of the Lord that just calms your fears. Hosanna, save us. Save us. Save us, Lord. Save us, Lord. For the next 30 seconds, somebody pray for America right now. Just pray. Lord, we're praying for America. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus for President Biden. In the name of Jesus, we pray for Vice President Harris. Father, we pray for the Senate and for the Congress. Father, we pray right now that you would, we need a revival in America, Lord. We need an outpouring of the presence of God in America, Lord. We need a revival. Lord, so awaken the church to revival. Awaken us that we would praise you, Lord. Come on, word of life. Set aside your political difference and lift up your voice and praise God that you're living in the nation that we could still proclaim the goodness of God in the land of the living. We praise you, Lord. Lord, 
I pray right now that the presence of God would sweep through Congress, that the presence of God would sweep through the House and the Senate, that the presence of mighty God, almighty God, Jehovah God would sweep through the White House in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want them to sing it again. What a beautiful name. What a glorious name. The name of Jesus. And all week long, friends, all this holy week, you need to say to yourself, my God is able. My God is able. And the obvious doesn't obligate God. What obligates God is my worship. What obligates God is the praise. What obligates God is his word. Come on, church. Don't miss him. Let's worship. Let's worship. Death Sing it again. Not hold you. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause. Can we do that? If you're here and online, we want you to click request prayer, and we will be praying for you right now. And as we are getting ready to leave, you can, you can have the freedom to stay here as long as there's someone here with you, praying with you. We're not asking everybody to leave, but if you'd like to, to hang out for a little bit longer for prayer, there's going to be those who are waiting to, to pray for you here. And uh, we hope that you, above all things, that above all things this week, you'll have a great week this next week coming. God bless you. We'll see you for Easter Sunday for sure. God bless you all. If you'd like prayer, feel free to come on down. God bless you.